Seth Spins contains mild adult language. The views of the members of this podcast do not reflect the views of Viking Fusion or Viking Fusion staff. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Seth Spins. I hope you're all having a really good day today. Uh, this is Season 2, Episode 5, and once again, for the trifecta, I'm inviting a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, hello, I'm Sam Perry. Um, if you don't know me, you soon will. That's a, that's a good description right there. Uh, do you want to kind of go into just a little bit of, like, your general knowledge of music, like what you kind of listen to or what you're interested in? I know you're also a musician yourself. Yeah, well, that's mainly where um, w- what I know comes from because, like, I, I think that we're going to talk about Towns Van Zandt a little bit today, and he kind of introduced me to what songwriting can be. Um, and then these other guys, they just... Uh, have a way about them and I really just pick up what they're putting down um, so I'm not like an expert or anything but it's just I, something uh, you can really dig into yeah just kind of yeah, latch onto. it yeah um starting off I do want to kind of go into Towns Van Zandt Towns Van Zandt yeah is that, is that how you say it yeah that's how you say it I think the difficulty of pronouncing it is one of the reasons that he didn't breakthrough I mean, it's a bit of a tongue twister yeah. but i think i think it's workable also that his Probably. songs are just like devastatingly depressing every yeah. single one well, of i them. mean elliot smith was successful so that's true that's you true, know, yeah. we could see but um sort of getting into that you mentioned that he was sort of a big inspiration mm-hmm. what uh what are some specific reasons why he's your favorite artist like what really gets into it because i know you mentioned prior that he's like basically your favorite yeah no absolutely like certainly my favorite songwriter and mm-hmm. really what it is um, he just, he's a poet. He's a magnificent poet. Um, mm-hmm. there's a song called She Came and She Touched Me. And like, oh man, there's so many things. Like, so one thing that he does, he has an extremely long memory for rhyme. Um, so there's a, there's a song called Come Tomorrow where it goes through an entire verse, um, ending in all the leaves like fallen queens of sorrow. And then it goes through an entire another verse, and then it ends with Come Tomorrow. And it, like, you subconsciously remember where the last line ended. Mm-hmm. So whenever he delivers the next one, it sounds right, but, like, you can't remember when it came from. He also does a lot with internal rhyme. And, I mean, like, just looking at it from a purely formal poetic perspective, mm-hmm. he's unrivaled so even past like musicianship you sort of have that mm-hmm. sort of poet laureate quality yeah it's, you absolutely. really get a sense that they have a way with words and that yeah. they're very specific about why they say yeah. the things they say in what order internal mm-hmm. rhyme schemes all of that different stuff that just yeah. really makes it feel concise mm-hmm. consistent and worth listening to and also like i mean he's he's a real folk musician and that you know he came out of that tradition uh that kind of country folk tradition of the story song mm-hmm. Um, so he writes songs, like some of them, like She Came and She Touched Me, that's just this kind of rollicking, poetic, uh, just absolute head trip um, of a love song. But then he also has like, um, so for example, the song that introduced me to him um, was, it's called Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold, and it's about a game of poker. Um but the main characters are the cards and the um, two men playing the game, Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold. 
they're almost side characters. And it's kind of like the cards are betting on how they're going to end up. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, there's just all these just beautiful descriptions. Um, all with the outlaw jack of diamonds and the aces in the sky. Yeah. It's kind of like that, uh, that Pixar short from a couple years ago about the two men playing chess, but it's just the one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind but, of. But except if the pieces were the main characters of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a... Whenever I heard it, it's about three minutes long, um, but it feels eternal. Like, mm-hmm. just, you're in, you're totally immersed, at least I am, mm-hmm. like, in the words, how he's saying them, what they mean, and you're so caught up in the story that you don't realize that it isn't an entire movie you're watching. It's mm-hmm. just a three-minute song. Yeah, that's that's something that's really, really good about concise poet laureate mm-hmm. types is that they're able yeah. to really get the most out of each and everything that they say, and it really does feel like it can stretch the expansives of time that aren't really existing. Yeah. It's super, super interesting and thought-provoking. It makes you want to really dig into what they're talking about. Yeah. Here's another one. Um, it's called St. John the Gambler. Um, a lot of his songs focus on kind of runaway characters, mm-hmm. um, most of whom face tragic endings. Um, some of them are just like tear jerkers and like really devastating. Um, and some of them are a little more ethereal. Um, so St. John the Gambler kind of fits under that latter, cor- cat- latter category. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the story of this um, daughter in the mountains leaving her mother's house to seek St. John the Gambler, whatever that represents, you know, just the the draw of kind of fortune. And then she um, dies in the cold. But could I, could I just recite the lyrics of that? Because I want to, it's very short. You go ahead. Yeah. yeah so. uh, when she had 20 years, she turned to her mother, saying, Mother, I know that you'll grieve, for I've given my soul to St. John the Gambler, and tomorrow comes time to leave. Uh, the, uh, ah, shit, I can't remember it. What you said was beautiful. I, I was super on board. Yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was riding the train all the way to the end. <laughs> no, but it was, it was really nice. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Towns Van Zandt is like kind of a folk musician kind mm-hmm. of type. Um, just sort of looking at sort of the pronunciation and the word in German. Uh, no, he's he's Texan. His Texan. Uh, grandfather, I think, some somebody in his family, um, on the Towns Van or on the Van Zant side, mm-hmm. um, was kind of whenever Texas was its own country, he mm-hmm. was like a big shot. So, oh, like in really? early Texas history, he played kind of a role. Um, so, even though Towns himself ended up just living the life of just kind of a destitute hobo. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of came from he came from money, went to college or started to, and then he dropped out. Uh, whenever he was a kid, uh, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And back then, you know, this was, um, I guess he was born around 40s or 50s, um, mm-hmm. got sent to a sanitarium and uh, got electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. And it destroyed his memory. He um, Even just listening to him, talk on like live albums and stuff he 
really struggles to just like remember the next word that he's going to say, except mm-hmm. whenever he's singing. And the songs just mm-hmm. pour out of him until he died. He died fairly young. Some, somewhat of a haunting presence, you'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, before we went on the podcast, you wanted to talk a little bit about Tom Waits. And I think a really interesting question, because I think this is the, the most gripping thing about him, and I think most people would agree, is that much like, I'd say, like a Leonard Cohen type, like Tom Waits is so well known for that deep, gravel-like, you know, yeah. timbre into his voice. Well, the, So Tom Waits is kind of an acquired taste. I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, especially his later stuff. Like his early stuff, there's like some kind of jazzy stuff that you can get into. I wouldn't into. slap a general audience's stick yeah. or anything. But like whenever you get into like Bone Machine. Yeah. And it's just, it's very abrasive music. Mm. Um, so the way I kind of think about him is he's he's an actor. He's he's playing a character in all of his songs. So whenever he has that like kind of deep gravelly voice, he even changes his voice in a lot of different yeah. songs. Like he'll he's just playing whatever character. I mean, it's definitely not an all encompassing thing. I mean, there are times where he mm-hmm. switches it up for sure. Yeah, there's one. Um, trying. I think it's on. Um, I believe it's on Frank's Wild Ears, but I'm not sure. It's mm-hmm. called uh, Temptation, and he's still Tom Waits, but he's singing in this like falsetto (laughs) and it's so off-putting and it's fantastic well yeah i mean it definitely would be off-putting in a way because you're not expecting it whatsoever um so my question comes in do you think that that deep timbre plays like an integral role like or an integral role in sort of your enjoyment of the music um i personally i do like uh musicians or, or singers with very distinctive voices. Um, like, I, I like it whenever you can listen to a song and be like, oh yeah, this is that person. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big Leonard Cohen fan too, and he's he's kind of part of that. Um, Bob Dylan, Towns Van Zandt, uh, you know, Guy Clark. Everybody uh, I really like the sound of has a very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. And definitely, um, I know one of the albums from Tom Waits that I've always been interested in listening to was, uh, it's, is it Rain Dogs? Rain Dogs, Rain yeah. Dogs, because my, my brother's a huge fan. Yeah. And so I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on sort of just his music in general. I just want to hear what you've got to say. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm just going to talk about I know it's kind of broad. Because, yeah, his every single one of his albums is just an entirely different thing. Mm-hmm. It's like... Oh yeah, there's there's people that have their favorites for sure. Yeah, so like uh, like Mule Variations is one that's a lot of people's favorite. It's just this like wackadoo backwoods blues. It's got mm-hmm. like out of tune banjos and like hard driving slide guitars, and just mm-hmm. the poetry is just real like Southern Gothic almost. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some, some real, like, I know this is a terrible yeah. analogy, but some real, like, trout mask replica kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's actually a big fan. Tom, oh, Tom, I absolutely of, could um, see that, yeah, for sure. If for anybody who doesn't know, Trout Mask Replica is one of the weirdest bands I've ever heard in my entire well, life. Well, it's the album by Captain Beefheart. Yeah, Captain magic Beefheart. Band, yeah. And his magic band. <laughs> Great stuff. My dad owned the record, and I found it in his little oh, cubby. And I was I've never like, listened to it. It's hard to I was find like, it. this is the coolest thing you've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> It's it's worth it's worth a gander for sure. Yeah. Man, 
find oh there's there's tom white says one album called the black rider mm-hmm. um and it's he wrote a musical with um william burroughs mm-hmm. the uh kind of beatnik heroin addict writer yeah who wrote a uh, naked lunch which is an insane and terrible book that i don't recommend to anybody <laughs> um but so this uh, so the musical was based on this German folktale where a man who's trying to impress the daughter of a hunter makes a deal with the devil to get bullets that um, will shirt will that bullets that'll shoot truly, um, but the devil's in control of one. And he ends up shooting his beloved. But the album of it is psychotic. It's fantastic. So it's something of a concept album. Yeah. So it's like there's that play, but that play is framed inside this like really strange carnival scene. Mm -hmm. So like the first song on it is this like carnival barker announcing a freak show and like going through like Coco the dog face girl. And then the next song is he he takes on a German accent Mm -hmm. and then it's just like this like carnival music and he just so come on in and see the black hider mm-hmm. and it's this sounds like some whack like mr bungle freak <laughs> show like it sounds super interesting I wanna it's listen to so it good like it's hard to listen to the entire album because it's like just too long but yeah, and you, you can't just go into that song seven or anything like yeah. that like you gotta you, start you gotta start, just start, to start where it starts and go on my one of my favorite ones it's just called russian dance and it's just like the most archetypal like Russian folk dance and then in the middle he just like the band stops and then he just screams out in Russian like once more once more and then counts down <laughs> and they start awesome. into it again <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> um, sort of switching genres a little bit uh, you mentioned Thelonious Monk oh yeah he was another madman I yeah. mean he was Coming, coming from the golden age of jazz of yeah. like the 40s and the 50s. Yeah. Like yeah, he was um, right, right in that um, bebop movement. Mm-hmm. He, he was kind of between... Contemporaries with people like John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was... So like uh, Charlie Parker, the saxophonist, kind of invented bebop in the uh, late 40s, early 50s. And then there was this transition period um, between his death in the 50s and when, I mean, you could argue, like, eventually Coltrane just became the de facto best jazz musician. I mean, yeah. I mean, Miles Davis comes in a little later. And then Miles Davis is, like, right there behind him. Miles Davis is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Coltrane is, like, a mystic. He's just playing God's music. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, there's a church in San Francisco that, like, um, recognizes him as a uh, as a mystic and they like have listening services where they'll just like really? play like a love supreme or something and That's just awesome so they have these icons of him and it's just him and he's wearing this like you know 50s jazz suit with like a robe mm-hmm. over top of it and he's playing a saxophone and fire's coming out the other end. That's what I, it sounds I like. I want that picture framed in my dorm room. It's so cool. I want to let you and, know And, I mean, really, like, if you read the liner notes of Love Supreme mm-hmm. or, like, Cosmic Music, he was... He was on to some stuff. Like, he... Mm-hmm. It, it reads, like, mystic poetry. It, yeah. It doesn't... Whereas Miles Davis, it's just, like... 
Yeah, Man, Miles we're just Davis is like, cool I know jazz. what I'm doing, and I'm yeah. about to, you know, destroy this trumpet or whatever. So it's it's kind of a different thing. But the monk is just, I just love all these guys' characters. Like mm-hmm. uh, Mingus is also right in there, and he. Well, it's it's this interesting like collective that sort of came up at the same time. Yeah. There's so many quartets. Yeah, that, that and they all up. played with each other. They all play, Yeah, they all played with yeah. each other. They all have, like, one album with each other. You know yeah. what I mean? They just kind of switch around. They just, yeah, they were all hanging out. Like, if I... At any time, there's, like, six jazz quartets just rolling around <laughs> with, like, at least three legendary musicians. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah, Coltrane and, like, Duke Ellington mm-hmm. would just be like, hey, you want to, uh, you want to just, like, you know, do some stuff? We're bored and it's the early 1960s. <laughs> you want to make something? <laughs> You want to go reinvent music real quick? Yeah. So Monk, Thelonious Monk, who has the coolest... We just need to take oh, yeah, a second no, to talk all, about... Hardly know his name, but just knew the name itself. Because yeah. Because it, there's nothing You know what his middle name is? So Thelonious Monk is his birth name. Like, that's mm-hmm. his actual name. And you know what his middle name is? What? Sphere. Sphere. Like, the the geometric shape. Yeah. Or I guess... It's not a shape because it's 2D. It's a know. form, yeah. Yeah, form. Prism. Without sides. I don't know geometry. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So Thelonious Sphere Monk. Like, we should have just started numbering after that instead if, of naming because nobody's going to beat that. If John Coltrane was a mystic, then this man is truly ascended. <laughs> <laughs> he was, yeah, he was legitimately crazy. Um, mm. But he was totally just like focused in on on the music like there's mm-hmm. i saw a video of him where he's playing and what's so great about his music is you don't know what note he's going to hit next like mm-hmm. you I, I don't even think he knows you just listen to it and he i mean he knows what he's doing he he, mm-hmm. he would just like talk for hours and hours with people about like music theory yeah but whenever he plays the he, real had, he didn't have like uh piano player fingers like you think of him he had these like really short stubby fingers that mm-hmm. could barely hit one key at one time and he would just like kind of like throw down his hands and he would hit the perfect note mm-hmm. at the perfect time for the perfect amount of time mm-hmm. and it was entirely unpredictable mm-hmm. and he's just absolutely thrilling he, he definitely to. mastered the ten thousand hour rule yeah. to the point where he could just make something on yeah. a whim and it was incredible yeah I mean, he's he's t- he's coming up around all these same musicians where they are essentially just kind of, you know, going to make the music whenever they're doing their live band each time with a different framework, mm-hmm. and all of those songs end up differently within each oh, uh, yeah. performance. But yeah. even with Thelonious Monk, it seems like even within those performances, he's not even sure how he's going to do it this mm-hmm. time. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, but like that era of jazz, really, jazz itself is all about improvisation. So, I mean, if you did have a framework, so like, um, you know, to go back to Coltrane, like uh, Giant Steps, mm-hmm. if you look at the, um, like, sheet music for it, it's not like actual sheet music. It's yeah. just these, like, um, kind of chord, loose yeah. chord structures it's like and a, it's modes. It's like a loose motif, and then yeah. they just go into it. And then, so it's like, okay, you're going to be improvising over these, like, key changes. Mm-hmm. And that's about as much structure they as They give you, like, to. half the Lego bricks and, like, a quarter yeah. of the book. Yeah. And they say, you know, you're going to make the Death Star this time, and it's going to be a yeah. little bit different, but it's going to be even cooler this time. Yeah. Um, and Monk, so I, if you watch him play, so he, he just looks, he's just looking at the keyboard. He's mm-hmm. entirely playing the piano. That is 
all that he's doing whenever he's playing the piano. His sole purpose. Yeah. Um, And then whenever it comes time for somebody to solo, like the sax takes a solo, he stands up next to the piano. And sometimes he'll, like, do a little dance, but usually just... The best part. Like, stands there. Because, I mean, I, I don't know this, but it seems to me that he could not physically sit at a piano keyboard and not play. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just... It was his playground. It I was mean, it was where he was him. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like he'd be relaxed at that point, you yeah. know, in front of a, you know, live audience. Yeah. Like, that's where you're comfortable. Yeah. It's your zone. Um, you mentioned Bruce Cockburn. It's uh, pronounced Coburn. Coburn? Yeah. Yeah. But... What can you do? Yeah. It's an unfortunate name. It really is, but, you know, it's actually <laughs> not as cool as the Thelonious Sphere Monk. It's true. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I feel like if anybody could pick their name, they would yeah. look to the great jazz uh, quartets of the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. They're not going to go with this Canadian, <laughs> like, alt-Christian musician. The, the unfortunate Canadian <laughs> misnomer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Bruce, Bruce Coburn. Yeah, Bruce Coburn. He's another, um, like Towns Van Sant, just an absolute pillar um, in my life. Like, uh... He's also a poet, but he's he he's also a mystic poet, um, and he just captures something about the essence of the soul in his music um, and in his lyrics. He's also a phenomenal, phenomenal guitarist. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, he he there's he's kind of playful um, about stuff. Like there's an interview with him. Where he's just like fiddling around on the guitar, then he like does this like really sick like noodle and lick, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Huh, not bad for a lyricist." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he's he's just amazing. I I don't really know how to say anything about him because mm-hmm. it's just like, um, what's his genre? Is he, does it's he consider even, himself a singer-songwriter? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, he kind of loosely between folk and jazz. Okay. Um, he, he'll do electric stuff and acoustic stuff. He'll, so it's, like, it's not really Americana or anything like that. Um, I mean, I guess he's Not Canadian, exactly. But <laughs> um, you, could, you could call it that, though. I mean, he's, he's just kind of doing his own no thing. Way, yeah. It's not like... Yeah, it's just kind of that general crossover folk mm-hmm. from... Um, I mean, he's he's been active forever. He's he's still active. I think he came out with an album last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but since like uh, late '60s, early '70s, and he's just coming out with like for a while there, he came out with an album every like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, he recently wrote a book, so he hasn't been as productive. Well, spe- especially with rural like rural genres, especially mm-hmm. you can go into these different discographies, especially with people like um, gosh. Uh, Going Where the Lonely Go, what's his name? Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. Like with Merle Haggard, you can see he just has like hundreds yeah. just kind of interspersed, yeah. you know, and all the album covers are just their face, you know, <laughs> with a different guitar or a different hat, you know, because a lot of it is like with that particular genre, they're just kind of like, I want to put my thoughts out there about everything. Yeah. Um, his album covers, Coburn's album covers are really great. Like he has one called Dancing in the Dragon's Jaws. One of his more popular songs is called, um, Wonder Where the Lions Are. 
Maybe. Wonder where the lions are. Wondering. Wondering where the lions are. Yeah. Um. It uh. It's a great song. He talks about like eternity and infinity a lot. So that song, it's a very kind of like fun, sunshiny, playful take on like eternity. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a good like, duology yeah. right there. The duality of man. <laughs> yeah. John Boat, rise into the surface of the lake and million-year-old petroglyphs doing a double take. Point a finger at eternity. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> also, memorization, just to get that. That was, that was, that was solid. Yeah. That's good. Um, for my question regarding him, uh, I sort of just did like a quick little Wikipedia search. I just wanted to get an idea of everything before going into it. Um, he goes into a lot of intense topics, from what I can tell. Like oh, yeah. He, he is, you know, very interested in politics. He's interested in religion, you know, very mm-hmm. hot-button issues. Um, what What do you feel like is his, his you know, zone? What, what is something that he tackles that you really, really resonate with or you find a lot of cool, like, um, depth? Um, I, I would say like mysticism, Mm -hmm. um, like he, he very explicitly goes into mystic topics. Like he's sung called the, the rose above the sky. And it is just straight mystic poetry. The Mm -hmm. rose above the sky opens and the, the light behind the sun turns on. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just out there. I mean, that's, that's describing something that's beyond like the realm of words and that's that's what it's it's sort of dabbling in the idea of the romanticist sublime uh something like that yeah and and i and and god too um Mm. like he started out as very explicitly christian he over time he's gotten less explicitly christian but i don't think he Mm. left the faith um would you say the genre shifted with that um a little bit but that's more of a result of his musical development i think like um you know, his early stuff, like like Sunwheel Dance, dr- Dancing in the Dragon's Jaws. They're like very acoustic, like kind of happy, folky albums. And then later it gets a little darker, a little more complex, a little jazzier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, he, so my favorite, my absolute favorite song in the world is a song of his. Um, it's called uh, Messenger Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, in a horse-powered sleigh at the top of the town, sun coming up paints the snow all around in rose light. In front of the house where I'm supposed to be born, I don't think I'm ready to walk through that door just yet. To be one more voice in the human choir that rises like smoke from the mystical fire of the heart. The wind that blows through everything sweeps out the halls of my heart when I sing to you. It carries the moon and the stars and the rain carries the seagulls and carries my shame away. Here is bigger than you can imagine, and now is forever. So you said it's your favorite song. Yeah. Just ever. Ever. All time. uh, Yeah, I mean, the music of it is just the most beautiful. it, it's just a perfect song. It, it says everything. It says everything that needs to be said. Is it, is it what I would call the Sam Perry blueprint for, uh, for great yeah. musicianship? Just yeah. incredible songwriting. Like if I 
could write that song. Like I would just you you would feel I would like dust my peak. hands off. Yeah, you'd be like, all right, there's the career. You know, that's that's the career defining hit. That's everything I I'm going to do. That's the <laughs> best thing that I'm going to. This do. This is my culmination. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I've created. And it, what's so funny about that song is it's like I mean I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Um, mm. I think it's one of the most. I think it's the most beautiful song ever written and the most true song ever written. And it's just at the end of like uh like mid 2000s like throwaway album mm-hmm. that is mostly just like really kind of weird and just a random and, deep cut in like 2005 or something. Yeah. <laughs> and this and random then Canadian Messenger artist. Wind and, and it's, it's like it's just wow. Gorgeous. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to listen to that. Yeah. For sure. And uh, just as a reminder, um, a lot of these songs that Sam Perry's mentioning, I'm going to be throwing onto the associated playlist, which will be linked on my Instagram and on the Fusion website. So if you're ever interested in hearing what any of my guests have to talk about or what I've talked about previously, you're more than welcome to go check that playlist out. It's on Spotify, and we're working on uh, other stuff now. So anyway, yeah. um, one song you wanted to mention just in general, uh, The Harrow and the Harvest. Oh, yeah. So this is an album that I... Um have just been really into lately mm-hmm. and I, I want everybody to listen to it um, because it's just really, really great. Um, so Jillian uh, Welch is a uh, kind of folk Americana musician who's been active since um, the the 90s, I guess. Um, she had like a bit part in No Brother Where Art Thou, so that's mm-hmm. where most people would know her from. Yeah. Um, her voice is one of the ones in the uh, you and me and the devil makes three didn't oh, leave no okay but yeah baby. I remember yeah um so this album I think came out in 2012 um it's her and her um partner Dave Rawlings who's an incredible acoustic guitarist who has a really unique way of playing um it's just. It's really good. Like the way I was, I was trying to get one of my friends to listen to it, and the way I described it was, uh, it is the ideal logical conclusion of Americana music. Mm-hmm. It's just perfect. It's a really, really good album. You, you feel like it sort of encapsulates everything about Americana. Yeah, it's one kinda, big magnum opus. In yeah, a way. like kind of. There's a song about this farmer plowing a field with a mule and he just sings hard times ain't gonna trouble my mind no more yeah uh, that's where i see myself in 30 years yeah me too no, absolutely <laughs> uh there's a a song about um being like listening to a train you know in 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 dixie and kind of realizing that uh you know your your home you just can't go back to um just really haunting um melodies the the one that starts it off is called Scarlet Town it's just got this like driving guitar little riff and then i mean she's just singing and it she sounds like she's singing from hell it's mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic and something that i think is so great about it is it's just their two voices and a guitar mm-hmm. um occasionally a banjo but For it's pizzazz. it's just it's very um, 
minimalist, but it's still very full. And that, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. That's a really good quality in Americana is being yeah. able to find somebody who, if they're sitting there with a stool in an empty room and a guitar, yeah. they're able to fill the space. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, for my last thing I wanted to mention, you didn't really put this in, but I wanted to sort of add sort of a mixture of a thank you and a question in a, in a sense. Uh, last year we talked about Ethiopian jazz, and I had to mention it because uh, we ended up winning a poker set uh, during casino night. And now every time we play Texas Hold'em, that's what plays. Oh, man. That because sounds amazing. It, it just reminds me of, like, exactly what I would hear in my mind if I was playing, in like, some seedy poker yeah. game. Yeah. What I love about it. So I'm, I'm like, kind of an Ethiophile. Like, mm-hmm. I just really love Ethiopian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so cool. Like, their their alphabet is just really great. Mm-hmm. Um, the history is so, so rich. Um, and... So, yeah, this Mulatu Estatke just playing this, like, completely. Uh, it's hard to describe. It's, it really yeah, is. Yeah. Once you hear it, you can recognize it immediately. It sounds like a place. It does not sound exactly. like you're playing a song. It yeah. sounds like a theme song for yeah. a location. Like, it, it's, it makes you feel like you remembered leaving this like bar in Addis Ababa in 1960 mm-hmm. in like some alternate universe. I, I know that what my friends always refer to it as is I'm always like, well, we're going to set this up as the bazaar. Yeah. You know, it, it sounds yeah. like it's a bustling Yeah, location. because like musically it's got a lot of, so Ethiopia, part of the reason that I think it's so interesting is that it's, um, so it's just south of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot of, it's near to the. It's, is it like right in the center of? Mm-hmm. Or is it's it on the, the west. Uh, it's on the east. On the east side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like pinned between Somalia and the interior of Africa. Okay. Um, and it's just south of Ethiopia, or uh, just south of Egypt, and just north of Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of this crossroads for, um, like. Sub-Saharan African and like mm-hmm. North African slash um, kind of uh, uh, Islamic and Persian influence. Mm-hmm. There, there's several different cultures that bump mm-hmm. into each other there. Yeah. For sure. And also, I mean, it houses some of the most ancient Christian sects and some of the most ancient Jewish sects. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just really interesting they, their alphabet's closely related to, to hebrew and um arabic but it it looks cooler than either of them. right right you just want to write something in it just so you can look yeah. at it i just have like a poster in my room that's yeah. just the alphabet that's awesome <laughs> uh so the the music it it you can hear like the um kind of interesting like persian um, modes that are coming from the north, but then there's also like, it's not just that. Like it's it's really its own thing, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's some good stuff. I, I highly recommend everybody yeah. that's on this podcast listen to this. It's it blew my mind the if first. I, time. Did I have I introduced you to Chicha? I don't believe so. Oh man. Um, okay, so this you, is going to be my that? next recommendation because it also feels like a place. How do you spell that? C H I C H A. Okay. It's named after a uh, type of corn beer that's traditionally made in Peru. Um, I'm going to guess it sounds Peruvian. It is Peruvian. Oh, heck yeah. Um, So it's 
like pretty much an electrified version of Peruvian indigenous music um, from when like a, a lot of indigenous farmers were moving into the cities. Mm-hmm. They just like got cheap guitars and kick ass like rock organs. And they, so it's like a, a bizarre mix between like um, flamenco and like traditional indigenous music and like Afro Cuban jazz and uh, like surf rock. That's a huge melting pot. And, and I was not expecting surf rock. Incredible. It is so good. <laughs> I, I'm struggling to imagine how that sounds. Yeah. But I'm going to be able to. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. I listen to it whenever it's a hot day and I'm driving. It is yeah. my go-to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's all the stuff I have prepared. If there's anything off the cuff that you want to recommend, you are more than welcome to. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, um, and while Sam's looking, um, I'm just going to reiterate what we've talked about. Uh, Towns Van Zant, um, Tom Waits, Thelonious Monk, Bruce Coburn. Um, uh, the heroin, the harvest, the entire album, and chicha, as well as uh, Ethiopian jazz, just in general. Yeah, because it's incredible, and everybody should listen to it. Um, if there's one hearty recommendation, I feel like that is required. It's a rite of passing. Yeah, it's it's so good. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, I I do want to just read the lyrics to um, Saint John the Gambler so that everybody can, absolutely can get a a taste of what makes Towns Van Zant so absolutely amazing at what he does mm-hmm. um, so when she had 20 years she turned to her mother saying mother I know that you'll grieve but I've given my soul to St. John the gambler tomorrow comes time to leave for the hills cannot hold back my sorrow forever and dead men lay deep round the door of the only salvation that's mine for the asking so mother think on me no more and winter held high round the mountain's breast in the cold of a thousand snows lay heaped upon the forest's leaf, she dressed in calico. For a gambler likes his women fancy, fancy she would be, and the fires of her longing would keep away the cold, and her dress was a sight to see. But the road was long beneath her feet, she followed her frozen breath, in search of a certain St. John the gambler stumbling to her death. She heard his laughter come right down the mountains, and dance with her mother's tears, to a funeral drone of calico and a cross of 20 years. Thank you, Sam Perry, for being on the podcast. This was incredible. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been really fun. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to the fifth podcast of this season. I've really, really appreciated all the feedback I've gotten. Uh, we have actually gotten some soundproofing done, so it should sound even better. Um, thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, make sure to check out the playlist. Bye.